Listener Production. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for the stay. How are you doing? Oh, good. Right. Oh, thank you, mate. How are you this morning? Yeah, good. Good? I'm just watching you. Go- I think it's uh, 7 o'clock you're going for a gym or something. Yes, I was at yeah, the gym. Yeah. Nah. Were you in the gym? Okay. No, no, no. You should have been in there lifting the heavy weights with me, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Actually, <laughs> I am waiting here. I just watching you. Right, yeah. No, I was in the gym this morning. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thanks for the stay. How you this year, sir? Mumbai today. Mumbai, yeah. I've never been. Mumbai. First time. Yeah, have you been to Mumbai? No. No? <laughs> right, well, we'll see how we go. You think India will win tomorrow? India, Sri Lanka tomorrow in Mumbai? India will win? Okay, yeah. Thank you for looking after me as always, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank we'll see you again. Cheers, Debish. Yes. Thanks, mate. Righto, it is Wednesday the 1st of November, 9.33am. Pinch and a punch for the first of the month. As you've heard, I've just left the hotel, the magnificent Oberoi Hotel in Kolkata. And yes, I did go to the gym, they don't miss anything in this part of the world. I'm now in the airport at Kolkata on the way to Mumbai. So Kolkata is in the far east of India, bordering Bangladesh. Apparently it's about a two hour 45 flight across India to Mumbai, which is right on the Arabian Sea. I'm pumped to get there, I've never been to Mumbai. It's got 23 million as the population in the metropolitan area, 23 million. So what's Australia at? 26 million at the moment. So nearly the entire population of Australia is here in Mumbai. Now, just before we leave Kolkata, last night I got the opportunity to chat with a bloke that I've spent a fair bit of time in commentary with and his greatest ever moment on a cricket field, probably the greatest T20 game ever played, took place in Kolkata at Eden Gardens. So there hasn't been any stuff-ups here at Eden Gardens so far, which is good. I'm sitting beside a bloke that's looked after me in commentary over the last couple of years out of Trinidad, two-time T20 World Cup winner Sam Badry. History for the West Indies. What a match we've had here at Eden Gardens. How are you, brother? All good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm excellent. I'm excellent. I, I want to talk to you about what this means to you here, but firstly the question that every West Indian commentator gets asked during this World Cup. No West Indies here. How's it been received at home? Yeah, you're right. Uh, I've been answering that yeah. question <laughs> far too have, often mate. during the course of this World Cup. Yeah, it's, it's, it was shocking when we didn't qualify for the first time in the history of this tournament in the qualifiers in Zimbabwe. Remember, we won in 75 and 79. Mm. So to not be here this time was uh, a big blow to everyone. It was gut-wrenching. And all of the players, they felt it. There was who were there in Zimbabwe, but more so the fans, the ones who really support the team through thick and thin. It was very disappointing. And if that doesn't change the way things are done in the region in terms of development of our game, I don't know what will. Right, that's the serious stuff. Now, I said to you when you walked in here today, what's it like walking into this ground? 2016 T20 World Cup final. An incredible game of cricket. Mate, you opened the bowling, got too far, but we'll get to the big moment. But what's it like coming back to this magnificent ground where it was one of the best T20 games that's ever been played, I reckon? 
Yeah, it's always poor raising every time I come here. I came back here a couple of times since then, and every time I'm here, those memories flash across my mind that fatefully. Not only the men's team, Howie, remember yeah. the women's team beat Australia yes. moments before our game started, so a double victory on that memorable night. And the West Indies, for the first time in their history, have won the women's ICC World T20 title. Yeah, it's, it's always nice to come back here. And I, as I say, those memories flash across your mind and you think about those moments, those that will live forever. Carlos Brathwaite, remember the name. Ian Bishop, Carlos Brathwaite, remember the name. Where are you? It was 20, 20 needed off the last over, wasn't 19. it? 19. Do you think you were gone? Yeah, I, th- I thought we were gone. Um, before that over, maybe the 17th, 18th over, so we needed quite a lot with just a few wickets remaining. So I thought it was done and dusted. I was already disappointed. I was already um, talking to some of the guys about you know how we threw this one away. There was only 156 <laughs> we were chasing. And then after the game, long after, months after, you speak to guys about what they thought and if they had that belief. And everyone keeps telling me, yes, they knew we could have done it and so on. But to be completely honest, I thought (laughs) we were done and dusted. Carlos hadn't played much international cricket before that. As a matter of fact, he only came into the team due to some injuries and so on. So not much was known about him, but to do what he did there, absolutely incredible. Oh, he did to the leg side. Indies, that helps. When did you start to believe? So first ball from Stokes, six. Yeah, even even after the first ball, I, I still thought that, you know, they had the upper hand. Second ball, getting there. But obviously by the time you hit the third one, the scores were level. So after the second six, I thought, right, we have a very good chance here. <laughs> oh, big shot. Huge shot. Where's it gone? Into the stands. But I didn't expect it to happen in the very next ball. And then the ball after that, where he completed it. Four sixes in succession of Ben Stokes, who at that time was having a really good World Cup. He bought some really good death overs for England, so everything worked in our favour. And West Indians are known to enjoy their night times. How does the West Indian team with you and Sammy and Gail and Marlon Samuels celebrate a win like that? I'm sorry to say, Howie, but we all signed an NDA, non-disclosure <laughs> agreement. We can't repeat some of the things that happened, but I'm sure you and your listeners can well imagine. <laughs> no, you're a good man, mate. You're you're off home. You're so just tell me how, how do you? Well, I remember the first time I went to the Caribbean, and it took me about nine flights to get there from Australia. How do you get home from here? Yeah, it's quite a long journey. I leave Kolkata, yeah. I head to Dubai a couple hours. That flight is three hours or so. I have a three-hour layover. Then from Dubai to Miami, around a 14-15 hour flight, a couple hours in Miami, cool. and then another four hours to Trinidad. So it's going to be a long haul. So even though we work together today, you requested that we didn't do commentary together and you've got your aim. We didn't get to do a stint. Yeah, I think they said they don't want two star commentators yeah. all at the same time. <laughs> Badger, you're a star. Good on you, man. Thanks, mate. Thanks to the superstar that is Sammy Badri Radio. I'm sitting here at the airport and I'm going through a little bit of social media from last night's game to see what people thought about the game and then people comment to you about your commentary, etc. And I thought, okay, 
I'll try and continue this path of explaining to you what goes on behind the scenes and how social media can affect you when you do the job that I do. Now, I'm sure most of you are on social media and I'm sure most of you are really positive on social media, but it can be a nasty place. So if you get something wrong in commentary, fair enough, people absolutely bash you. Some people just don't like you, which is fair enough as well. Everyone's got their own opinion. There's a lady, every time I call a game of cricket, I'll call her cat lady because most people that give you a stick don't have their face on their Twitter handle and she's got a picture of a cat. And every time I call the game of cricket, her tweets to me at MarkHoward03, FFS. They normally start FFS. I'll let you figure that out. Why don't you shut up? You talk too much. You are too loud. You know nothing about the game. You have never played the game. So this is two tweets every game. Big bash, test match, every day of the test match. You should not be in the commentary box. Who do you know? It's a disgrace you're there. I I remember sending me one. I hate your voice. It drives me up the wall. You think, okay, that's okay doesn't like me, you can deal with that. But I was talking to an athlete about this the other day and how they deal with negativity when they're written about in the press or that comes from them their way on social media. And they said, oh, water off a duck's back unless they feel that the comments are accurate. So if they think they've done something wrong in a game and then people pick them up on it, they were saying to me, this footballer, that that's what stays with them. And I think it's a bit the same in my job. I gave, I'll give you an example. I was calling a game of footy earlier on in the year, a game of AFL football, Geelong. And there's a guy with long sleeves, Brad Close, and there's a guy, Ollie Henry, uh, that doesn't have long sleeves. And twice, oh, I called Brad Close, Ollie Henry. He's got long sleeves and one doesn't, so it's a very obvious mistake. You spend time during the week making sure you research this, you remember it so you get it right, but sometimes your brain boom, just doesn't work right. And you know, don't look at Twitter because people are going to pull you up on this. And they do, and they're the ones where... It does stay with you a little bit because you know yourself, you've stuffed it up and you want to do a good job. But there's a bloke that every time I call a game of footy since, not a bad call, but have you figured out the difference between Henry and Close, which does make me chuckle. He gives it to me every time. But come to the subcontinent and it is a very different place because the love of cricket here extends to everybody involved in the game. They love umpires. They love cricketers. I've seen a team doctor from... Pakistan, I think he was, signing autographs coming into the ground. That is how much people here love anyone associated with a game. And they can be they can be negative about your career commentary, but generally positive, extremely positive, in fact. I, I find on the subcontinent people say the most beautiful things to be. People come up, a guy came up to me in the airport half an hour ago. India beat Australia historically at the Gabba. A few years ago, Rishabh Pant, it was an amazing innings, and India broke a long drought, winning a series in Australia the first time they'd won one. And I was in commentary with Warney at the end, and I went on with, I don't know, 25-second spiel. It goes as far as the fence! India, incredible! Rishabh Pant is the star! India win the test! They win the series, and they win the hearts and minds of cricket fans all around the world. And a guy came up to me this morning, in the airport, and without even introducing himself, he went word for word, like word for word, what I said when the winning runs were hit. And it it blows you away that you're doing this in Australia and a chap in India can come up and say things like that to you. The other day in the hotel, as I was checking in, the guy brought my bags up. And as he brought the bags in without a word of a lie, I was commentating when Scott Boland did his amazing work at the MCG and was carrying on about building a statue. Yeah, the Boland's got six at the G. Build the man a 
this guy put my bag down and as he just walked out, he turned around and smiled and said, build that man a statue. And it makes you laugh. So I've had a look at social media. So I've run through the negative stuff, but this is, this is uh, it's not because of me. It's because people love cricket. So I've, <laughs> I've written down, I've screenshot a few examples here just to run you through to show you their love of the game and the people it involves. So this is from Saqib, or I presume Indian. Sir, you have all my heart. Your voice gives me tingles. Now, when you're sitting at the airport and you might be missing your family and you read that from Saqib, I won't lie, it just gives you a little lift. It puts a smile on your face. Mahata, thanks for making this beautiful game even more beautiful, Howie, with your beautiful voice. Now, you read that. You don't get that in Australia when you're calling the footy. Rahal, like this one, Rahal. Marky, to <laughs> Marky, Marky, to me, you are superhuman. Such a melodious voice. Wait for this. I'm not, uh, this is without a word of a lie. It is like an angel commentating cricket. Can we have a picnic together when you arrive in Mumbai? So it's, the love you get here is extraordinary. I'm trying to explain to you just to show you the love of the game. This one really got to me. As a, a chap sent me this. Now, I've never been to Pakistan and his name is Muhammad from Pakistan and he's on Twitter and he's got a picture and he's, I don't know, he looks 23, 24, big smile on his face. Sir, if you come to Pakistan, I will assist you in any way possible. I will be blessed to welcome you into my home. The use of language is beautiful, but the fact that a guy is watching Pakistan versus Bangladesh last night and loves the game so much and the voices involved in the game that me, a bloke from Barwon Heads on the other side of the world, just a battler, that he would take the time to send me a message to say that he would love me to come to his country and he would show me around and welcome me into his home. That is extraordinary. So my takeaway from social media, take the good with the bad. Don't be someone that sends the bad gear, but if you just need a lift, if you just need a lift, come to the subcontinent because the love here makes you feel good. Makes you feel good. Hey, tomorrow, by the way, once we get to Mumbai, tomorrow I'm getting to commentate an India game, India-Sri Lanka at the Wankhede Stadium, which will be something to talk about tomorrow. I could not be more pumped. Half the country will be watching, so it's not one to get wrong. Hopefully I get more tweets like that. Um, I'll be back soon. I told you as we land in Mumbai that we meet all sorts of people on this trip and they're waiting for his baggage here is a man that played in the 1999 World Cup final in England by the name of Paul Rifle. It's out, Troy. Yes, he's got him. Rifle breaks through. That's a big wicket for Australia. Good, genuine, Nick. Pistol, you're umpiring now, which we'll get to, but what are your memories of being a World Cup winner, Australia versus Pakistan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems such a long time ago, you know. I've kind of feel like I've had a lifetime as being an umpire and it's yeah. kind of a different world the, the old days as a player but um, I, I suppose looking back on it just to be to be part of a team that was uh, so talented and some you know some of the greats of Australian cricket were in that team so 
Yeah, that, that's kind of that's the special bit that you, you're actually part of that. I was looking at it this morning for some reason, and I think you knocked over Inzamam, and you you got one for yeah. twenty odd off your ten. He's not happy, Inzamam, but I can hear the nick from here. That's well bowled. Um, Warner, you, you must have played so much cricket with him for Victoria, and you know, how, how was that news for you, mate? In a way, it's kind of the way he was going to go. Like yeah. it, it was kind of him. Uh, everything was full on for, for Shane. So, where'd you first play with? Where'd you first? Were you playing district against him? Or uh, yeah, I, I played in. Um, I played against him. I think it was the 1990 uh, district grand final. He was only a young bloke playing for St Kilda. Yes, he was. Was only, he full of flair then or not? Yeah, he had the beach bleach bond hair, <laughs> and uh, but he wasn't. He was. Uh, he didn't bowl a lot of. Uh, overs, um, he was just a young bloke that they saw as talent, and, and yeah, that, that was the first time I ever played against him. And um, and then within then two years, he was playing Test cricket. The rate in which he improved uh, was something I'd never seen before. <laughs> it was always entertaining to be part of a team that he was in. There was always something going on, and um, so. Uh, but of course, he he was a match winner. So yeah. and he was a match winner on that day in 1999, and. Um, he hadn't had a great World Cup, but the semi-final and the final, he was our, our best bowler, and he, he probably won us the game. Bowled him out. He just caught in no man's land there. Warns fired up all right. And he just goes. Pakistan struggling now. They're 77 for four. Our bags aren't here yet, so I've still got another two minutes of your time. Hey, now you're on the umpiring panel. What, what was the first game you umpired? Was it, like, when did you, the first time you walked out there as an umpire? Um, well, so the year after I retired from Victoria. Um, so was it district cricket? Yeah, I, I, yes, absolutely, um, district seconds. So you started in the seconds, yeah. now you're on, on the panel. So what, what does that mean? Well, we're contracted to the ICC and we, 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 we do all the international games around the world. It's been a, you know, a fantastic journey for me. You know, I played my first test in 1992 and it's now 2023 and I'm still out in the middle. It's been a great journey and it's the best thing I've ever done. Uh, I'm really, really glad I did it. It's bloody hard work and it's well, challenging. How, how, how do you keep focused? Because it's, it's physical and mental as well, isn't it? Oh, I definitely. Uh, it's mostly mental. Um, like everyone, it's impossible to keep concentrating yeah. the whole time and but the the better um, performance in everything seem to be able to do it for longer one final one for you yeah. so uh, we're here uh, so Mumbai my first time here India Sri Lanka tomorrow which I'm so excited to commentate the India game I, I've experienced the noise in the IPL I'm not sure what to expect so when you're out in the middle and, and there's the, the just the waves of noise and there's like appealing for edges and stuff. How difficult is it? Because it's like yeah. it's like when we do the hosting out in the ground, you can't hear yourself. No, no, that's right. So um, a lot of times it's it's just taking one of your senses out. So um, you've really got to use your eyes, and and you're looking at everything. You're looking at body language. You're looking at the ball. You're watching the bat. You're, you're using your experience. Um, because you, you, you can't hear a little final edge or a little glove here and there. Yeah. It's really impossible to hear. And Mumbai is uh, a very loud stadium and uh, and the Indians are uh, on a bit of a roll, so the support will be there. There are a lot of blue shirts tomorrow. It'll yeah. be full of blue. <laughs> um, so uh, it's an amazing experience to be part of. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll see how we go, but it's, uh, it's, it'll, it'll be very loud.
And just as we were getting on the plane, I saw a guy getting a selfie with you and asking you about your career. And then he came up to me and said, oh, you're the guy that shouts in the BBL all the time. I didn't didn't know that's a positive or a negative, mate. You get away with nothing here. (laughs) They know everything Everything about about cricket, isn't it? Everything about cricket. Yeah. If you're shouting at the BBL, (laughs) you'll get found out because you get away with nothing. (laughs) Good on you, mate. Appreciate it. (laughs) Well done. Ciao, mate. So I'm in the midst of a walking tour around Mumbai, self-guided. The only way to see a city is just to leave the hotel and head out and ask directions and off you go. I've always wanted to come to the spot I'm at and it hasn't, um, it hasn't disappointed me. It's called the Maidan. Pardon the pronunciation, I might not have that right. It's a massive 15-block stretch of land about 200 metres wide right in front of the High Court of Mumbai. Now, the High Court was built I think in the late 1860s it's an old gothic building so it's this amazing backdrop with all these palm trees but every single every single piece of this land is covered in people playing cricket it's extraordinary from the under sixes who have got their whites and helmets on to the under 23s there has to be there has to be 400 games of cricket going on it's dusk here it is the most epic scene. The decks, if I had to do a pitch report, I'll go up to one. So I'm standing next to the pitch where the young blokes are now. It doesn't look like it's been watered in... Oh, heads, watch your head, mate. It doesn't look like it's been watered in five years, to be fair. Dry and crumbling would be the best way of describing it. And there's probably oh, ten guys bowling in each net, of which there is one paceman and nine spinners. That would just bamboozle you day in, day out. You can see why the Indians play spin so well and why it can be difficult for the touring teams when they come over here. But this is... For someone that loves cricket, to see the passion for cricket here and the number of games going on, so Google it. It's M-A-I-D-A-N, Maidan. And you'll see the courthouse in the background in the photos. It's just... It's just cricket lovers' heaven. There is just cricket being played as a bloke here with what looks like a dodgy action. He's got the leggies. I've just seen him bowl a leggy that's turned a foot and a half and then he's just bowled a wrong and knocked this chap over. The wrong has probably gone two foot. The level of skill is extraordinary. There's a bit of coaching, a bit of coaching going on. If you're getting here, close to your eyes. Drive, okay? Come on, show me. Come on, let's see. Let's see. Come on, one more, two balls. One, two balls, come on. Let's see. What is he doing? How's he, how's he going? Yeah, good. How old is he? Uh, I think so, 10 years old. 10? Yes, 10. How are you old? Yeah, very good shot. How old? How old are you, mate? 11. 11. 11. I'm turning 12 in November. Turning 12. Who's your yeah. favourite cricketer? My favourite giver is Maxwell. Glenn Maxwell, an Australian. Good man. Good man. Come on, very good. You're doing well. Good. Focus. Done? Done? Okay. How are you? I reckon that's as good a spot as I need to finish episode two. Do not be missing episode three. 
behind the scenes of producing a game of cricket and what it is like commentating on India in India. We go on a nice car ride with one of Australia's greatest cricketers, Ricky Ponting, and talk about how tough it can be watching your kids play sport and plenty more to come as the series continues. A little bit of social media just to finish it up for you. Two more. One from Afghanistan. Hi, sir. It is a physics theory that there are some voices which make your heart beat faster and give you pleasure while listening. So it's wonderful to have you back in the commentary box. I can listen to you for a long time. Love, Afghanistan. That's nice. And then Simon, I think he's probably Australian. I have really enjoyed the commentary at the Cricket World Cup until that flog, (laughs) that'd be me, Mark Howard 03 joined the telecast. His voice is punishing. He is the world's worst cricket commentator. In fact, maybe the worst commentator of any sport ever. Thank you, Simon. Peace and love.